Is your brain filled with sports? Well, good news for you. You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Big Brain Sports Podcast. I'll deliver you what's new in sports, trade rumors, the hardest hitting stats, and an analysis of your favorite teams. So welcome to today's show, where we're going to cover the Super Bowl recap, the Canadian division in the NHL, NBA biggest surprises, and the quarterback carousel in the NFL. It's time for Big Brain Sports. Let's get into it. And let's get into what happened on our favorite weekend of the year. Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs faced off in the Super Bowl. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely destroyed the Chiefs, 31-9. Now, I was cheering for the Chiefs, so this is very unfortunate, but I cannot say, I definitely did see this coming. I predicted the Bucks to win um, on my YouTube channel. It's Big Brain Sports, all one word, if you want to see more. But I did predict the Bucks to win. Um, I just thought they had too many offensive firepowers, and with Eric Fisher and Michael Schwartz down, I thought that the tackles, it was going to be hard for the Chiefs to protect Mahomes enough to win. And oh boy, I was very correct, but I did not think I would be that correct in the standard. I thought it was still going to be a close game. Mahomes was just running for his life. But... Let's recap the game from the start. First quarter, it's all normal. First six minutes, not much. The teams are failing each other out. Kansas City goes down, driving, but Mahomes isn't playing well. He's not hitting his passes. He's playing poorly, very poorly. Um, he has one pass for three yards and lots of incompletions. On that field goal, he had two wide open receivers, which I think could have been easy easy yards and I think it resulted in a touchdown but he wasn't ending his throw he was overthrowing throwing a little high so not the start you wanted for the Chiefs but you're up three nothing Tampa Bay comes down with a very balanced attack on the next drive they do a nice flip play under uh, near the goal line and Gronk scores it's 7-3 that's okay though Tampa took three drives to score the Chiefs they're still in a good position here they go back and forth. Mahomes at the end of the first went two for nine for nine yards. That is, for a Super Bowl, that is unacceptable. Terrible. Um, not a good start for Mahomes. The Bucks pa- pass rushing was getting there for sure, but Mahomes was missing easy throws. Started off with a very sloppy first quarter for, uh, for Mahomes. We go down to the second half. It's more of the same thing. And it's 14-6. But this is where I think the Chiefs, the game kind of got out of hand. First, Mahomes in the second started playing a bit better. And I think a big play was Travis Kelsey. Mahomes throws a very good throw to him. He's on the sidelines and Kelsey just drops it. I think that's a huge play. Um, that kind of, this, this second quarter was kind of what turned the game around, I would say. Or kind of like... It made it out of reach for the Chiefs to come back. But near the second, near the second end of the second quarter, Andy Reid calls two timeouts when the Bucks have the. He calls a timeout, third and one. What? What are you doing? At the, the Bucks' 40-yard line, you're not getting the ball in good field position anyway. They would have had one. They would have had a. Uh, one timeout after that, if you got the ball, you may only get a field goal. But it's one yard. That's pretty easy to get. The Bucks get it. 
and now they should not have got a touchdown. There were some pretty soft calls. The Mike Evans one, he did trip him. I don't think Mike Evans would have caught that ball. Could have made an insane catch, but don't really know. And then the one in the end zone, Tyron Matthew, I don't think he really touched Mike Evans there. But a couple soft calls by the refs, I feel like. Especially if you do remember that field goal where settled for three. I mean, he did he did line up offside, but the penalties were eight to one, and it's not just like Kansas City was being a little bit undisciplined, but the calls were not the best. And I I noticed that yeah, Kansas City only got one call, and it was a five yard penalty, which was offside. Um, but yeah, Andy recalled the two timeouts and it resulted in a Brady touchdown. So going into halftime, I thought it was a pretty good halftime show, but going into halftime, the Bucks were up 21 to six. That is very worrisome. If, uh, if you were a Chiefs fan at that time, that was very worrisome. But we all know because of the Patriots, you can come back from anything. In the middle of the third, 28 to three, you can come back from that. So this game was definitely not over, especially with the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs, who can at any moment strike and go for a huge play, and Tyree Kill can score a touchdown on one play. But that's what the Bucks from the start were preventing. They were playing two safeties deep, and they were doubling Tyree Kill. One was on him pressing, and the other one was deep. They were not letting Tyree Kill get anything going. And this was absolutely crucial. Um, the Chiefs started near the end to kind of force him the ball more, but Tyreek Hill did not get much going. The seven receptions for 73 yards, that will fool you. Near the end, he, got, he was getting the ball more because they weren't really worried about that. They were just worried about not scoring a touchdown. They tried to force it to him underneath. They tried to make him make some plays, but they contained him very, very well. But you would think if they're doubling Tyreek Hill, someone else has got to be open. And Travis Kelsey had a huge game, a couple of drops, mind you, but a huge game. Those curl routes, underneath routes, he was open almost every time. And the Chiefs should have been able to just go down the field. But... Uh, the Bucks' whole thing was bend but don't break. They played absolutely phenomenal defense the whole time. And they would let him get down there, but they would only let him score a field goal. And the Chiefs could not get the ball in the end zone. Only the 13 not to score a touchdown in Super Bowl history. So the Buccaneers win the game. The second half was a little uneventful. But we saw one of the best throws in NFL history. Mahomes is on his side, and he flings it up, and it actually hit his receiver, I think, in the helmet. Like, he could have caught that easily. Um, it's like that, uh, I don't know, it's a football game where the guy's on his back. On he's um, If you ever seen the clip, you probably have. It's like, it's a very viral clip, but um, there was he's on his back, and he threw the ball the other way and he completed it. It's absolutely insane. That was what the Mahomes throw was like. It looks physically impossible, but somehow he did it. So, um, but the Buccaneers won, and the three people who scored touchdowns were not on the Bucks before, all in the AFC, and all people Tom Brady recruited. A.B., 
Gronk and Leonard Fournette. The Bucks are your Super Bowl champions. And again, I'm not very happy that Brady won his seventh, but that is absolutely insane. He played a very, very good game. And the main reason why they won is they had a very balanced attack. If they went out and threw every play, this game would have been a lot closer. But they were able to effectively run the ball, both backs averaging five yards, over five yards a carry. And, uh,. Yeah, the Bucks are Super Bowl champions. It looks like none of the teams retiring. Arians, Brady, they're all coming back, I would expect. Gronk, and it's going to be how many people can they resign. They're obviously probably not Super Bowl favorites because they weren't this year, but they're, well, no, they're not going to be favorites. It will still probably be the Chiefs. Their team's very explosive, even after this game. Um, showed that they can be contained, but you got to have a really, really good defense to do so. And I think the Bucks, they'll definitely be, they'll be on top. They'll definitely be top three. It's hard not to put the Super Bowl champions there. But I would, I could see, uh, I would see the Chiefs as the main favorites. But a great Super Bowl. But now that it is over, um, we look back on the NFL season that was Tom Brady winning again after going to a new team. Many thought. Now, when they were seven and five, they were they were done. They're not very good. They win eight in a row, including well, obviously including the playoffs, and they win the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, that Bucks team. I really like their defense. Actually, Devin White was absolutely insane. I think he could have won Super Bowl MVP, but it's very hard for a defensive player to win it. But he's there on almost every play. The whole line for. Tampa played amazing. Again, the Chiefs, Mahomes was running for his life on every single play. He's just trying to make stuff happen, especially you noticed it more in the second half because it was so extreme. But even in the first half, he wasn't in the pocket able to go deep. He was on his run every single play and losing the two linemen is what I was why I thought the Bucks were going to win. Eric Fisher near the end was a huge injury and Michael Schwartz. It affected three positions because you think it only affect two, but they had to move people over because it's more important on the edge than up tight. Because if you have a, if you're running four um, tack, four linemen, you can double one, but on the edge it's harder to double because they can just get around you, which is why they move some guards over to tackle. But it, so it affected three positions and it really showed as Mahomes was running for his life back there. With Tampa Bay, now Super Bowl champions, it was obviously in Tampa Bay, first team in the Super Bowl era to um, win the Super, just make it to the Super Bowl in their own, um, in their own stadium where they play, be the home Super Bowl team. Um, so that's pretty cool. I'm fortunate that not all their fans could be there, but um, they're Tampa's hosting a Super Bowl. Um, not next year, but the year after, so two years from now, uh, they'll be hosting another one. It goes L.A. and then Tampa. And, um, yeah, Tampa should enjoy their parade. They have been abs- they've been going amazing in sports. Tampa won NHL finals in MLB, um, won NFL, especially getting Tom Brady. It's just a big one. They won the Super Bowl. 
and now they have the Raptors playing there, which they probably won't win an NBA championship, but if they did, then where else would you want to be but Tampa right now? Um, so that's it for the Super Bowl. Amazing end to the season. The game was a little overhyped. Uh, I wouldn't say it was overhyped because it had the exact hype, except the game didn't live up to what people were so excited for. I thought, I think everyone thought it was going to be one of those close games that comes down to the last play, but it just didn't. The fourth quarter saw Mahomes just leaving everything out there and his receivers not quite catching the ball and Tampa's defense going off. With that, we will transition to our next subject. That's enough football for now, but at the end, we'll go over what's next, kind of. But let's transition into the NHL. If most of my listeners, I think, are in Canada, but I'll be talking mostly about the Canadian division. If you want to hear something else, uh, you can just let me know. I think you leave comments on most of the podcast things. But I will be mostly talking about the Canadian division. One... I'm a Leafs fan, and two, um, I think the Canadian division's an, um, an interesting one to talk about. First, we'll talk about the Leafs. This will be a little short. Um, they look very, very good, but as we can tell, this division is not the greatest. To be fair, they are not the best division. You can see, again, it's this year, it's almost impossible to compare divisions. Just You have to compare them on look, because... The divisions can't play each other. They don't, they're not playing each other. Therefore, it's super, super hard to compare what division's the best because you're only playing with a certain amount of teams. So if you're down to compare, it is well the first place Boston Bruins better than the Leafs. In the, is the East Boston Bruins playing better than the North Toronto Maple Leafs? You can't tell because they're only playing teams. The Leafs only play Canadians, Jets, Oilers, Canucks, Flames, and Senators, and Boston plays the Flyers, Capitals, Penguins, uh, Devils, Islanders, Rangers, and uh, the Senators. So it's super hard to tell what teams, which is why I think this year is going to be the most interesting, especially when you get down to the Final Four. You have no clue how those teams are going to play against each other. Um, but let's get into it first. We will talk about the Leafs, how it's going. Um, they've looked very, very good. Again, playing against a Vancouver team that has not looked good at all. Not looked like they're trying very hard. But the Leafs have looked very good. Unfortunate, they have so many injuries. Thornton, Robertson, and now Simmons are out. And now tonight they are going to dress seven defensemen with Sandine coming in. So it'll be interesting. I don't think they'll do what the Devils did in like put those four put those defensemen in the forward line I think they'll just kind of play there play Matthews and Marner a little more and just kind of more rotate but it would kind of be cool if you saw like Riley on a shift if it's a blowout as a forward I always think that's cool but I don't think they'll do that um but the team below the Leafs in the North Division is the Canadians who look absolutely amazing they their biggest problem has been getting Carey Price goals around them. And this offseason, they finally fixed that, and they look very, very good. Um, people could, you could argue that this is just a hot start, and it's happened with the Canadians before, and then they just fall off. 
I think they're for real this time, especially with a struggling Canadian division. Who's they have? They look like they have some pretty bad teams. I think the Canadians can uh, can definitely keep this up and keep their hot start going into more the middle of the season now. The Winnipeg Jets. I'm gonna do the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and the Oilers, they'll be like kind of get together. The Jets traded for uh, lose line eight, lose a little bit of scoring, but get a second line center um, in Dubois, which is pretty good. I think they've been just an average team in the Canadian in the North Division. The Oilers. Now this is an interesting one because you know they can go out there and score five goals with just McDavid and Drysaitel. Their defense, though, not that good. The rest of their team, not that good. It's hard to compete in the playoffs when you're expecting McDavid to score two goals. McDavid and Dreisaitl's line like produce four points a night. That's not how you win. Hockey games, especially with their goaltending, it's a, uh, I'd say the Oilers are, I think that they're a good regular season team. I don't think they're gonna cut in the playoffs. Now, here we get into the more of the lower end of the North Division. The Canucks are fifth, but I'm going to go with Calgary. Calgary have a lot of potential. I just don't think they're hitting it off at this moment. I think it can be a very close race. I think they're a number fifth or fourth seed in the North Division. I think they're going to come out and play a little better. They've played 11 games, so they can definitely go up. But I think Calgary being sixth, sixth is a little bit of a... Uh, disservice i think they they've played way better than um them being sixth again does not mean they're playing good it just means that they're they're i think they're playing a little um a little better than that as they um yeah i think they're just playing a little better i wouldn't say they deserve it again they've played a couple less games but they have some uh they play the Canucks, they play four in a row after this Winnipeg game against the Canucks. I think the Canucks probably win one, but I think the Flames could easily take three, and you'll just see them go up the, the north rankings a little. Um, but then you have the Canucks and the Senators. Now, the Senators, you kind of expected it. Um, some people thought they were going to make the playoffs, but they are pretty obviously the worst team in this division. I think they could probably win some more games. They've beat the first seed Leafs. They have potential, but uh, they're not quite there yet. And then the Canucks. They just look like they have stopped trying. It is not looking good for the Canucks at all. Those two Leafs games were thrashings. And the Canucks look like they have just given up playing hockey at some moments when they're down by three goals, which is uh, too bad. Holpe looks unhappy, not having the best start to the season. And, uh, yeah, so the two favorites right now, Leafs and Montreal, say the three other, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Calgary, right now kind of competing for the third and fourth spot, and then Vancouver and Ottawa are near the bottom. But, again, they can still turn around. They still have a chance. My wild stat of the week or a weird stat of the week is from the Super Bowl that just happened Sunday. It's from Patrick Mahomes. With the offensive lineman hurt, 
we all saw him running, but how many yards did he actually run for in total? He ran for nearly 500 yards before throwing the ball or getting sacked. That is insane if you think about it. That means he ran over 100 yards a quarter. I cannot believe how tired he must be, how much Gatorade he must have drank, because I get tired just running 50 yards. That is my wild stat of the week. Alrighty, we will be moving on to our next topic after reviewing the Canadian division. We will move on to basketball. Woo! We're going to go with basketball, more of a recap, but also some, you know, surprises on the week. Um, so let's get into it. First of all, Fred Van Vliet scoring 54. I'm a Raptors fan, and this was absolutely amazing. Breaks DeRozan's record and the most for an undrafted player, which is absolutely insane. If you think about it, you're used to like these big numbers and night 40 points. You have to be very, very good to drop over 50. That's insane. I still don't know how Kareem scored 100 in a game. I don't know how anyone's gonna break that. You must like not pass the whole game. Cause that just, I, I'm happy when if I'm in a basketball game, I'm happy if I score three points, if I just get, or just one, get a free throw in, but they're going down scoring a hundred times that. Kareem, that's absolutely insane. Um, but Fred Van Vliet with that, um, it's helping turning the Raptors around. Now, most people thought this was a, a um, just a slow start, but there were definitely people that thought the Raptors, eh, not that good. They're okay. Again, I'm not saying that they're some type of very good playoff teams because they definitely aren't. Losing Ibaka was definitely a big one. And there are way better teams in the East. Celtics next, Bucks, Sixers. Um, but I think they are a late playoff team. But uh, right at the moment, their team plays very good defense. They beat the Nets. The Nets are an interesting one for sure. But... I just don't see the Raptors at the moment making a deep playoff run, but I think they just making the playoffs is good. Now, I'm going to talk about biggest surprises. The Nets have been weird. They have looked dominant at some stretches and terrible at some stretches. It's weird how Harden's fitting in. He's like, they're all scoring a lot of points, but as a team, they're not pulling out wins. The Wizards have beat them. It's just... It's a little awkward how they're playing on the court together, and I don't know if I like it. Again, it's hard in the playoffs if you're going to pick against them, though, because it is just a regular season. But with that big of a sample size, their last 10, they're 5-5. Five and five. They're an iffy team. I still think they're one of the championship favorites, but it's, it's they're not looking great at the moment, but they have so much firepower. It's, it's so hard not to pick against them every night because... They have so many points in them. It's just they gotta they gotta figure out their defense. They're letting their they're letting teams back into the games when they have ten point leads because they're they're trying to score more than they are trying to defend. And um, yeah, it's not a not a great not a great start for, with Harden for the Nets. Um, a big issue has been if they're going to play the All Star game. Um, Lots of players have spoken saying it doesn't make a lot of sense at the moment, and I would probably agree with that just because 
um, just because the NBA is not doing great on their lots of players are still testing positive with um, and still having to quarantine um, because of close contacts. So having an all-star game with your blessed best players at the moment doesn't feel like it should be something that you're gonna do. You do it on, like online probably be a better idea. But the ballots are still fun. You can see who gets elected, but I don't know if you can do something too big. But uh, yeah. And I'm going to move on to the 76ers and more the Western. The Sixers have been a pleasant surprise with Doc Rivers this year. They are playing very, very good. Again, regular season in the NBA could not mean too much. They've beat the Lakers, and B's playing really well. And um, yeah. But one team I really, really want to talk about, and this because they are killing, this person is killing me in fantasy, and I think he could win MVP. Nikola Jokic. Doesn't mean their team is winning, but he is going off. Every time I look on my fantasy thing, he's not on my team. I played against him like two weeks ago. He's dropping like 60 fantasy points a night. It doesn't make any sense. He's just like beating every player on my team. Very upsetting, but um, Nikola Jokic is absolutely playing amazing, and the West looks very, very competitive. Looks like they have 10 teams who can like beat each other on a given night. It's absolutely insane how uh, uh, deep the West looks compared to the East. And it's back to that thing that I think the West, yeah, they're a little better than the East, but NBA, again, it's gonna be the best teams. It's weird, they're resting players with COVID. Some players aren't playing, so yeah. Uh, that's my NBA update. And let's get back into the NFL. I said near the end we would talk about it. And here we are. So, Super Bowl is over. What are we focused on next? Free agency. But before free agency, technically you can agree to trades in principle. Now, technically, like, okay, so you can agree to trades, but the Stafford deal doesn't officially go in till a certain date till the season officially begins. So there's gonna be lots of, there's, um, I think after the Super Bowl, teams are gonna be looking at the rosters. And this is where the main trades come in. And the main thing that's happening is that quarterback position is being looked at. So we're gonna go through most teams and see, again, we're not gonna go through the Chiefs and the Seahawks who obviously have very good quarterbacks and know what they're doing. We're gonna go through teams who quarterbacks are struggling and if there are any room, we're gonna go through the rumors first and then who might want these quarterbacks. All right, so first we can start off with the one I did my podcast on last week, talked about Sean Watson. I talked about him maybe going to the Jets, maybe going to the Dolphins. The general manager does not wanna trade him. Which will make sense. You don't want your first move as a new general manager is trading your star quarterback. Um, <laughs> so probably a smart option. Deshaun still hasn't spoken to him or the coach. So the new hired coach, which is not a good sign. But I don't see him really holding out. The new CBA, you lose a lot of money. Again, he still has a lot of money, but you lose a lot. So I really don't see... I see Watson maybe holding out a couple of days, but I see him playing next season, even if he is in Texan uniform. And this year, I don't think he's going to get traded. Maybe more near the end of the deal, 
if the Texans are still not very good, um, then maybe I could see him demanding a trade. But really, it doesn't really, it's unclear what he wants. If he wants to win, you probably don't want to come to the Jets at the moment. They are in a deep rebuild, and as a Jets fan, uh, they're kind of restarting their rebuild. So I don't know if you want to go to a Jets team with almost no weapons, one good offensive lineman, and uh, so like the Dolphins would make sense if he wants to go to a competing team. But if he's just mad at the GM and just wants to go to like a big market, then I could see the Jets, but I wouldn't really see that happening. But speaking of my favorite team, before the Super Bowl, I think this was Saturday, it was reported that teams have been calling the Jets about Darnold. This is very interesting, and I wonder what they can get. Now, at the start, the first trade will be that all quarterbacks will and all teams will look at is the Stafford trade. But I think that trade might be a little unfair just because the Rams probably had to pay a little extra to take Goff's contract. But all quarterback deals will be compared to that because at the first at the the first deal with the quarterback, that's what happens. It that's what happens with the quarterback market. The Sean's like Mahomes got that money. I think I get a little less, but that's how we other how other teams do it. It sets the market. So I think that's going to be the market setter. So it'll be interesting. Could Darnold get a late first for a for a like a Steelers who Big Ben may may play one more year? Probably shouldn't. Um, but definitely could. Um, yeah. So the Jets. What I would like to see is I don't really know what I would feel is the right move for Darnold. And I don't really know what team. Again, there were a couple teams that I could see going after, but it's it's kind of hard to like tell what teams would go after a quarterback who's had three years in the NFL, kind of struggled, um, has some potential, but turns the ball over a lot. Um, a couple teams, the Colts, that would be an ultimate scam if they traded, the Colts traded their first round pick for Darnold because the Jets traded up and they got a very good guard in Quinton Nelson, and then they trade for Darnold. That would just be the ultimate scam by the Colts. Come full circle. Um, I could also, again, I said earlier, the Steelers could definitely want Darnold. The football team could want Darnold too. Um, there could be a decent amount of teams that could want him, but there are also um, better quarterbacks that you might want to take out of the draft because Darnold's coming up for a contract. Again, he shouldn't be too much. Um, in one year, he should he's out of his rookie deal. Now, Darnold, again, is definitely not the best quarterback on the market, and Carson Wentz is on also on the quarterback market. Now, um, Adam Schefter has said that a Wentz deal is coming earlier this week, so if the deal has already happened by the time this podcast comes up, if you want to see my opinion before I have I podcast every two weeks so if you want to see my opinion again go on my youtube channel if you want to search it up it's big brain sports all one word um but it's gonna be tough to tell who would really want Wentz he's injury prone he's struggled and he has a bad contract those are three things that you don't really want especially if you're trading enough the eagle is eagles 
have come out and said that they want a Stafford deal for once. Stafford has been way better. And the Lions were shedding, the Rams were shedding money with that, giving it to the Lions. There's no way you're getting a, yeah, there's no way you are getting a Stafford deal for Carson Wentz, unless it's Bill O'Brien. <laughs> um, but what teams could trade for him? I think it's more of the same suspects. I could see the Colts, but that's just so much money in their, their team. I would think they would go for like a medium quarterback because their team's just balanced. And Wentz is like, Wentz at times shows flashes of great potential, but you never know with him. It's very up and down and he when the lows hit low they're very very low i can also see the panthers the panthers could also be a one that goes for darnold but i think matt rule might rather draft a quarterback and develop him himself but i could see them going after i think uh, this is a tough one if carolina would go after him i would suggest no but i don't know what their front office is thinking of course i would think they wouldn't just because their team's not ready, they're rebuilding from other positions, and their goal is to get a decent quarterback who can lead their defense and weapons on offense to a Super Bowl. An interesting one is the Falcons. Now, they don't have enough money for it, but if they can maybe trade Matt Ryan in there, if the Eagles will be willing to take his salary and not play him, they could maybe do that. I think that the Falcons would like having Wentz just because they might want to try it a little more, but that team isn't ready. I think that'd be a bad call. Again, with the cap going down and Wentz's huge contract, it's tough to find teams that would 100% trade for him. Um, especially, like, there's teams like uh, the Saints who have to shed over 100 mil in cap. That's just insane. Um, now another guy, this isn't really in the carousel, but Dak Prescott, the Cowboys want to start negotiating again. Hopefully they finally get a long-term deal in and they can, um, yeah, they can find a contract there. Now, 49ers fans, they are very unsure about Garoppolo from what I've seen. He's been hurt half of the time he's played there. He's played half of the games since he's been there. And it's tough because Garoppolo has a semi-big contract. But if you could flip him for another quarterback, I would wondering what San Fran would consider. Um, because they could definitely get something for Garoppolo. Because I think he's still... The thing is, is when, is when your team's very good, he seems like, oh yeah, he's a good quarterback. And when your team's struggling, he's like... Is he really that good? He doesn't look that good. What would I really get for him? So this year, Garoppolo was down. He was hurt. Nick Mullins came in. But San Francisco is another team that I could be could see if they like surprisingly got a quarterback. I could see that. Um, but for the quarterback carousel, it's going to be an interesting um, couple of a month before free agency, and um, it should be very exciting. And before I go roll into the intro, um, I think a very, I think one that could be interesting is the Broncos make a quarterback move. Drew Locke um, did not progress like he was 
like people thought he was this year. So that could definitely be one that the Broncos go out and they want to get a new quarterback, see if their team needs another rebuild. Lots of people thought they were going to be like a surprise wildcard team. Of course, um, COVID did not help, but Drew Locke did not play very good. And uh, yeah, that's it for our main topics for today. And that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Brain Sports Podcast. If you love Big Brain Sports talk, then I've got you covered. We'll have new episodes ready every other week. And tune in next time for more NFL, NHL, NBA, and MLB sports talk. Also, don't forget to follow us on our website, mybigbrainsports.com, and social media and our YouTube channel, which is uh, Big Brain Sports. If you want to find us, it's Big Brain Sports, all one word. Thank you for listening. Big Brain Sports, out.